This is the Daily Signal podcast for Tuesday, January 11th. I'm Virginia Allen. And I'm Mary Margaret Olihan. Writer and editor Bethany Mandel just wanted to provide an alternative to the woke books being provided to children in school. So she was shocked when Facebook took down her page advertising the books due to, quote, disruptive content. Mandel joins the show to discuss how Facebook censored her books and the importance of having alternatives to the left's woke education materials. But before we get to Doug's conversation with Bethany Mandel, let's hit our top news stories of the day. Come January 15th, you won't be able to enter bars, restaurants, gyms, or places of entertainment in the nation's capital without proof of vaccination. But two GOP lawmakers are hoping to change this. Kentucky Representative James Comer and South Carolina Representative Ralph Norman have asked D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser to drop the vaccine mandate. The congressman sent a letter to Bowser Monday, writing, Like the Democrat lockdowns of 2020, the latest left-wing vaccine passport fad will not prevent the virus from spreading. They added that they believe the vaccine mandate will only harm the district's economic recovery and lock many Americans out of their capital city. Bowser made the announcement about the vaccine mandate amid the rise of COVID-19 cases. San Francisco, Boston, Los Angeles, and Chicago already have similar vaccine mandates. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell's office released a memo Sunday predicting that Democrats will try to use fake hysteria to break the Senate and silence millions of Americans' voices so they can take over elections and ram through their radical agenda. The memo comes as Democrats seek to push voting legislation. McConnell argued that there was more voter turnout during the 2020 presidential election than there has been since 1900. The memo said, Leader McConnell and Senate Republicans have repeatedly stood up to the left and their big lie that there is some evil anti-voting conspiracy sweeping America. Ohio Republican Representative Jim Jordan says he will not willingly appear before the House committee investigating the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. Jordan sent a letter to the committee Sunday, writing, As you well know, I have no relevant information that would assist the select committee in advancing any legitimate legislative purpose. Jordan also said that the American people are tired of Democrats' nonstop investigations and partisan witch hunts. Jordan did speak with President Donald Trump on January 6, 2021, and members of the House committee want to know the details of the correspondence Jordan had with Trump that day. Jordan had previously indicated that he was willing to cooperate with the January 6th committee. A spokesperson for the committee said the committee will respond to Jordan's letter in more detail in the coming days and will consider appropriate next steps. Now stay tuned for Doug's conversation with Bethany Mandel as they discuss how Facebook censored her pro-American children's books. Are you looking for an easy and entertaining way to keep up with the news you care about? The Daily Signal and Heritage Foundation YouTube channels offer interviews with policy experts on the most critical issues and debates America is facing today, as well as short explainer videos that break down complex issues and documentaries that dive deep into the ways policy actually impacts people. 
Go ahead and subscribe to both the Daily Signal and Heritage Foundation YouTube channels today. You can search for either on your YouTube app or visit youtube.com slash heritagefoundation and youtube.com slash daily signal. Our guest today is Bethany Mandel, a contributing writer for Deseret News, an editor at ricochet.com, editor at the children's book series Heroes of Liberty, as well as a proud homeschool mom. Bethany, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. We wanted to have you on today to talk about a controversy surrounding that book series that we mentioned at the top, Heroes of Liberty, and some censorship from massive social media platform Facebook. For our listeners who haven't heard about this story, would you be able to give us a rundown? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a really wonderful, wholesome children's book series called Heroes of Liberty. And uh, the books that we have out now are about Ronald Reagan and Amy Coney Barrett and Thomas Sowell. And we were running some Facebook ads, as you do when you have a small business and you're trying to make money. And uh, in the days leading up to Christmas, we got a message from Facebook that we were in violation of their policies and guidelines. And uh, and we received a warning and, and we responded to the warning and asked how exactly are we in contempt of your of your rules? And then we received another message back. Uh, all right, this is that was your last strike. You're done. Um, you're cut off from the platform forever. And so uh, we weren't able to access um, to post additional sort of posts on our our Facebook and our Instagram, and uh, and we weren't able to run ads anymore. So. In the lead up to Christmas, you know, that's that's a really big deal for a, a business. And, you know, moving forward, that's also a really big deal. Um, so we were able to make a stink about it. We had the contact information for a Fox business reporter named Tyler O'Neill, and he wrote a story about it and it blew up. And at that point, uh, in sort of members of Congress became involved publicly and, and privately with Facebook. And uh, and eventually we we were able to regain access to our ads account only because Congress literally intervened on our behalf. You mentioned Congress literally intervened on your behalf. How did they do that? So um, Ted Cruz publicly tweeted, uh, you know, this is ridiculous overreach. Um, the GOP judiciary account, uh, Kevin McCarthy did the same. Uh, he retweeted my my thread about what happened. And privately, several offices also reached out to their their sort of lobbyists at Facebook and a combination of public pressure and private pressure, um, both from the media, but mostly probably we think from Congress, uh, finally did it and they unfroze us. So it sounds like in this story that they really didn't give you a reason why this was removed. It sounds like they just kind of took it down. Yeah, yeah, and there there was no there was no warning. So they they told us that our ads were uh, low quality or disruptive content, but they never actually defined what what about them <laughs> was low quality and disruptive content. And our ads were just this is a wholesome new children's book that you can buy for your children for Christmas. Like it couldn't have gotten less, uh, less dangerous and more innocuous than, than our ads. We're literally just selling children's books and they're not political. They're just wholesome biographies about, you know, heroes of, of our past and our present, honestly, as well. Now, when they reinstated it, did they give an explanation to say like it was a mistake? I know that happens sometimes with a lot of conservative pages where, Twitter or Facebook will take down a page and then due to public pressure, they'll say, oops, it was a mistake or we didn't mean to do that. Is that what happened here? Yes, that's exactly what happened here. They said, um, you know, our mistake, sorry. Um, 
and you know, all of these mistakes tend to go in one direction and one direction only. Uh, while our children's book about Ronald Reagan was being banned from advertising on Facebook, you could look at advertising about a, a scholastic book on Che Guevara. And that's exactly why we started Heroes of Liberty, because the sort of the children's book industry is overrun by wokeness. And, you know, there are any number of children's biographies about Che Guevara or Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, but there are none about Ronald Reagan and Amy Coney Barrett. So that was sort of the, the hole in the marketplace that we saw um, and then that we we fill and we wanted to fill um but you know all of those all of those ads for quote unquote the other side were still up now i i have noticed that are there any other circumstances that you maybe pointed to when you were talking with facebook of hey this series of books is just fine our series of books is something similar why the double standard here so we got no answers we got absolutely no answers all we were told is is it was a mistake and so we we don't know what the double standard is. I mean, but but we do know what the double standard is. Um, but they, we never got anything resembling an actual explanation. Now, when the advertising went down, um, obviously that must have affected the business. You mentioned a little yeah. bit that this affected how your bottom line was. So, what were some of the consequences immediately after Facebook took this action? Our sales dropped. So it's hard to put a number on it for us because it was one week. Um, but I was contacted by a, another small business called Bring Ammo Apparel. And he shared with me uh, screenshots from his Shopify account. Um, and he was running ads in April of 2020. And then they were shut off in May of 2020. And the difference in his income was uh, in May of 2020, it was one fourteenth his income in April. A just absolute massive drop, one fourteenth. <laughs> um, so we sort of anticipate that our our bottom line would have been probably similarly affected. So it, one of the things that is really striking me as you're going through this process of discussing that social media uh, censored your work is that again, this is something that happens on one side of the aisle almost exclusively. Do you think that there's a reason why? specifically conservative work is targeted on social media or is it just again like they say an accident so i mean i i think i i i'm not sort of of the mind that it's like this giant nefarious woke plot to take over america i think it's um i think it's a little bit more subtle than that and in in a way it makes it even more insidious so what what we think happened was our ads um you know appeared in the news feeds and we had people reporting our ads um, and we, we know that people didn't love our ads because we saw comments calling Ronald Reagan a fascist and a war criminal. And, um, and we think that those reports landed on the table of, you know, folks at Facebook and, um, and they probably just, their worldview matched the worldview of those who were reporting the content. Um, and so, you know, that's what happens when everyone thinks the same thing. So I want to talk a little bit more about these books uh, sort of period. What made you want to create these books in the first place? I know you mentioned that this was sort of a result of what you view as a woke takeover of education, but was there anything else that kind of drove you to create these books? Yeah. So, I mean, we sort of saw that there was a, a hole in the marketplace and that, you know, there were a lot of books about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but not about Amy Coney Barrett. And, um, you know, in the schools, we know the battle that we have, but a, a lot of parents are not really aware of the battle that is taking place in children's literature. Um, last night, 
uh, I spoke to a, a children's book author. She writes middle age, so between like eight and 12. And she told me, you know, it's next to impossible to publish a book without some sort of intersectionality or gender conversation. Um, she keeps on getting comments back from her editors uh, about race and about gender. And this is uh, this is the situation in children's literature. And so um, we knew that 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 was the case. And we, you know, we just wanted to create wholesome, quality content. Um, and biographies are a wonderful way for kids to connect with the past and connect with individuals in the past. Uh, there's a sort of theory in children's literature called uh, mirrors and windows. And, you know, the ultimate goal as a children's book writer is to have a mirror where kids can sort of see themselves and characters, and then a window where they can see this is who you could be. And when you write a children's biography, th- that's it's it, you know it's very easy to do that because, for example, with Amy Coney Barrett book, I have an eight year old daughter, and she's the oldest of my five children. And so the Amy Coney Barrett book, you know, they talk about how she's the oldest of her family and. Uh, she, you know, the dealing with little siblings, which I think a lot of kids, even not in a big family can sort of commiserate with. Um, and so you kind of, kids can see themselves in, in the early origin stories of Amy Coney Barrett and then, you know, moving along, she, she's obviously like extremely successful. Um, but the special thing about the Amy Coney Barrett book is that she isn't just a Supreme Court justice. She's also a mom. And that's um, that's not a message that young girls are getting now that you can be a mom and successful. And and I think that there's a lot of moving parts to the sort of fertility crisis. Um, but that's definitely one of them. I do think it's interesting that the intersectionality angle that you briefly mentioned, looking at some of the people that are highlighted in this series, you have people like Thomas Saul, who is a black man. You have Amy Coney Barrett, who is a woman. You have Ronald Reagan, obviously, who would be a white man, but he's also very inspirational. How do you pick some of these people who get the books as you're looking through all these heroes of liberty? Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly sort of what we wanted to do. We wanted to showcase all of these sort of varied people that um, – you know, kids might not be familiar with Thomas Sowell, and and there are these sort of underlying um, morals and lessons in their life stories about things like CRT and affirmative action, and all. Of, and I mean, that's definitely one of the sort of underlying unspoken themes in in the Thomas Sowell book for sure. What has been the response from some of the parents that you've been talking to who've been reading your books? I mean, they're, they're big fans. I I think people, you know, it's funny, you don't, you don't realize what you didn't have until you have it. And so they're like, oh, wow, it's, this is really (laughs) great. We didn't realize that we wanted a book about Thomas Sowell for my eight-year-old, but, um, but wow, now that we do like, and, and so people are sort of giving us their, their wish lists of the next books they want us to do. Um, and we're, we're doing more books. We're doing, you know, John Wayne is coming out in February and uh, we'll have Winston Churchill and Margaret Thatcher and Alexander Hamilton. Um, and, you know, we'll plan on, on doing a book a month moving forward. Um, and I think people have realized that this was something that was missing from their bookshelves. How long do you plan on keeping this series alive? Is this sort of as many people as you can find as long as you can? Or is there sort of like an end date? Uh, no, there's no end date. I mean, as long, I mean, thank God we've had a ton of support. We've sold tens of thousands of books since we launched in November and tens of thousands of books since this Facebook thing happened. Um, so I, we, we have a lot of support. I think that people realize that um, that this is a really important product and, and they want it on their bookshelves and they want to read 
they want to read these to their children every night before bedtime. So the plan is indefinitely. We, ha- we have no end date. As long as we have uh, people who buy into our mission, which is half of America, <laughs> we'll, we'll keep on writing them. That's an interesting point you you actually just made. Since the Facebook thing, you've you've probably seen a, a bump in business. Have you have you noticed that a lot of people are sort of coming to your your aid as it looks yeah. like social media is trying to censor you? Yeah, absolutely, and and it's beautiful. I I tweeted a picture, um, a couple. I think it was like yesterday, and I put it on my Instagram. Also, uh, just an absolute massive pile of books that were going out because of the Facebook thing, and because people, you know, they want to send a message. This is not. Um, we will not be silenced, and you are not the majority, and you cannot determine um, a business's success or failure. Big tech. Absolutely. One of the final things I would like to talk about this book before I'd like to go into education a little bit more. Um, yeah. What What are some of the messages that you would hope children t- reading these books would take away from them? I know you you mentioned the window and uh, sort of being Mirrors, able to see yeah. yourself, the mirror theory about education. But are there certain messages you would hope that the children reading these books would take away? Yeah. I mean, I, the special thing about these books is that every book has a different sort of message. And so... Um, you know, the Ronald Reagan book is really just a story about, you know, the kindest president we've ever had and, and, and how to stand up in the face of evil, the evil in that case being communism. And Thomas Sowell, it's about sort of, you know, lifting yourself up by your bootstraps and, um, and, and not expecting anything from anyone and how incredibly successful you can be in so doing. Uh, and the Amy Coney Barrett book, it's a book about motherhood and, um, and about a large family. And, um, the, these are kind of messages that kids aren't getting anymore. So those are the messages we want kids to get. And, you know, for the John Wayne book coming out in February, there's so much conversation about toxic masculinity. And we want to, we want to tell kids about the fact that masculinity isn't toxic, that, the, uh, you know, it's honorable to be a man of honor. Um, and that's not a message that boys are getting. And it's not a message that girls are getting about their future husbands. And, you know, there's so much societal rot. And I think, uh, you know, this is our attempt to fix that. Shifting gears to education, we've discussed briefly how kind of wokeness has infiltrated the education system. How bad do you think that the woke takeover of education has become? It's catastrophic. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm working on a separate project at the moment about this actually. Um, and you know, I, I spoke to, I spoke to this, this middle grade author the other day and she said, you know, it's not, um, it's not just the curriculum, which you you have access to, but you know, they're, they're introducing these books, um, about gender and about trans, you know, transsexual and transgender and, and intersectionality to kids when it's just like a reading lesson. And so they'll introduce these books about, you know, a transgender child and they'll say, you know, this is how to begin a sentence and this is how to end a sentence. And it, it really sort of normalizes this, this concept for kids because, um, they're not they're not learning about it as a as a as a topic they're just learning about it you know over the course of a grammar lesson and these are the just really insidious ways that uh, librarians in schools and teachers in schools and everyone in schools are just trying to introduce these topics whenever and wherever possible now we mentioned at the top that you proudly homeschool your children you were a proud homeschool mom did the wokeness in schools contribute to that decision so it didn't actually, because we would send our kids to private Jewish schools. But what's kind of scary is that private Jewish schools are 
are being infected by this as well. And that's not something that even I could have foreseen when when we started homeschooling several years ago. Um, but it's everywhere. Um, and and it's it's becoming increasingly difficult to pretend that it's not. Now, I guess that kind of comes to the obvious question is, is this something that can be countered? Can we reclaim schools and education from the woke left? Or should we basically say, let's just focus on teaching our own children at home the values that we want them to learn? So I, I don't think we can give up because, I mean, I'm not giving up. I homeschool my children, but I understand that the kids that are going to these woke schools are going to be the kids that my kids are dating and, and working with in 20 years. So giving up is not an option. Um, but, you know, for parents who are at home, there's a lot of things that you can do um, to counter it depending on your own personal circumstances. But the, the one of the things that we really loved about doing Heroes of Liberty was that, you know, 15 minutes a day right at bedtime, you can have the last word <laughs> with your kids. And it's not the teachers, it's it's the parents. And um, that that's the kind of stuff that parents need to do um, in, in any number of ways. And, you know, children's book at bedtime is one way, but, um, you know, this is this is a fight and, and it's a fight that has to be fought. Now, as we begin to wrap up here, do you believe that this is a fight that we are currently winning? Is there any more work that we need to be doing or how, how are we doing? I, I think that we don't even understand the the level of rot in our society on this stuff. So, I mean, to keep coming back to children's literature, because, you know, this is something that I've become like really sort of invested in personally and professionally, obviously, um, the, the level of wokeness in children's literature is just immeasurable. Agents won't take a book unless it has a, a gay or transgender character. Um, another a different author than the one I was just talking to told me that she pitched a book, again, for middle ages, between the ages of eight and 12. She pitched a book to her agent about uh, about a World War II character. And she wanted to um, she wanted to tell the story of, you know, young girls surviving in the middle of the war. And her agent came back to her and said, there's only one way I can sell this. And it's if one of your characters is a lesbian or transgender. And she was like, but it's set in World War II mm -hmm. <laughs> in like Berlin. Um, that's that's not that's that's not appropriate for this sort of scene. And her agent said, I, you know, this is the situation. This is what it is. I that's the only thing. And so those books are getting published. And so kids are sort of growing up with this this belief that all of these very modern, very um, not normal things have been the reality through all of human history when that's just not the case. Um, and it, it's just it's it's a mass brainwashing operation. Um, and it's in children's literature. It's in uh, the movies that they watch and the TV shows that they watch and the commercials during those TV shows and the the schools that they go to. And uh, it's everywhere. It's it's um, ev everywhere you turn. It is there. Now, one final question before we finish up here. We already discussed briefly the capacity to read to your children um, before they go to bed as something that we can do as conservatives who are concerned about what our children are learning in school and from the culture at large. Do you have any other suggestions for parents who are maybe listening to this who say, how do I keep my child from being exposed to all of this? Yeah, I mean, what I'm about to suggest is not 
a, a, a feasible for a lot of people and it's not completely feasible. But I would recommend before your kids take a book out of the library, look up the Amazon reviews and look at the one star reviews and see what people are saying. Um, you, you can catch a lot of stuff that way. Um, the same, there's a, there's a group called Common Sense Media and you look at sort of what they say about books and TV shows and, and sort of the older, the better. So, you know, we own DVDs of Sesame Street from the 80s because you know that those are, you know, more or less safe and, you know, Boy Meets World and you know, all those shows that my generation grew up with are more or less safe. And so uh, you can buy used books and, and buy old TV series and movies. And my kids right now, as we're as we're recording this, are watching Richie Rich. I don't know if you remember that movie. Oh, from- I love Richie Rich. Yeah, me too. That's like their sixth time watching it. Uh, so like Home Alone, Richie Rich, like all of these sort of movies before uh, Macaulay Culkin grew up are <laughs> generally pretty safe. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, and then also just look at, ask your kids' teachers, like what books are you using in the classroom? Not just what are you teaching, but what books are you using? And COVID has been a little bit of a blessing and a curse because we can see on Zoom what they were teaching. Uh, when they were on, when they were doing distance learning, but now the classrooms are literally closed to parents, and they can't just walk in and look at what's on the library bookshelves um, in schools because they they're closed for COVID reasons. So um, I I would just you know keep on asking questions and and keep on talking to your children and read to them and talk to them and maintain a dialogue about you know what are they reading and what are they hearing and what are they being told. That was Bethany Mandel, a contributing writer for Deseret News and editor at ricochet.com, editor of the children's book series Heroes of Liberty, as well as a proud homeschool mom. You can find those books we discussed on the show, Heroes of Liberty, at heroesofliberty.com. Bethany, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. You can find the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Please be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day, and we'll be back with you all tomorrow morning. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Virginia Allen and Kate Trinko. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, please visit DailySignal.com.